The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, good morning. Today we're going to talk about bugs, not the creepy crawly kind, the kind that people can use to listen in or record your most private conversations. And my guest is Charles Patterson. He's the founder and president of Exec Security TSCM. Hey, Charles, welcome. Good morning, Francie, or good afternoon here in New York. Good afternoon in New York. I'm in California, and you're in New York. Uh, Yeah, well, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Charles, you began your security career quite a few years ago, 1978, and how did, you, how did you even get started into that? Well, I got involved actually um, starting almost just as a basic security guard uh, for an organization with a large property. Um, I had some technical background myself, so I ended up helping to take care of the walkie-talkies. The, anything technical kind of fell into my lap. Back in those days, it was... Uh, um, you know, videotape recording. Um, the first security camera I helped install, the, the housing was probably about two feet long. Yeah. It was a huge, <laughs> I was <just> that. <laughs> a huge thing. And, you know, um, so through the years, I, I helped take care of a number of different technical aspects and uh, of security. Kind of, yeah, what kind of technical experience had you had at that point? Why did you... Uh, well, as a, when I was... A, kid, I was uh, uh, interested in technology. I had a ham radio license. Uh-huh. Some people today d- don't even know what ham radio is, but it's still <laughs> active. It's still, it's still a, a, a viable hobby. But my cousin and I challenged each other. Uh, we both got ham radio licenses when we were 12 or 13 and loved messing around with anything technical. Uh, so maybe it was somehow you know, built into my... Uh, DNA or something like that. Yeah, right. That sounds always, so cool. What a great idea. It. Yeah, and then in the security field, you know, even though I started off for a short time just as a guard, there was so much opportunity as technology was uh, evolving. Um, mm. It just it became fascinating for me, and so it included working with the two-way radios, working with, as I mentioned, closed-circuit video, um, and even telephones. At that time, if the, uh, the phone company, when I first started, the phone company owned all the wiring and all the equipment on a, any facility. And if the phone company came to 
you know, uh, do some repairs because I was a little bit more technical. I was the guy that helped follow him around, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just to make sure everything was okay. Um, and then for the, uh, as we developed in the executive protection, the radios became more important, and I worked a lot with uh, uh, portable repeater systems, a variety of two-way radio things, radios in cars, uh, you know, a number of uh, aspects like that. Interesting. And so then somehow at some point you got involved in counter-surveillance or, or uh, technical surveillance countermeasures. How did that, how did that come about? As uh, things developed in my work, um, there were occasions when the company I worked for was having either a major conference. Um, they actually had a conference where they had some guests from uh, Russia, from the Soviet Union at that time. Uh, come and so they had hired some people to do sweeps. Um, a few times I got to see the, what type of work was being done. Some of the guys came to do sweeps and they really didn't have a good handle on what they were doing. Uh, mm-hmm. They brought a, you know, there was a device back then called a hound dog. It was a box with an antenna. You just wave it around and they would wave it around the room and say, "Well, this room looks clean," and then they'd move on. <laughs> Um, and then there were other times when they hired uh, someone that came like with a team of like three or four people, uh, a lot of equipment, and they spent a good amount of time uh, checking things out. So I got mm-hmm. to see that there's, there's a, a wide variety in experience and in the work that's out there. So at one point, um, I decided to take a class on my own. You know, I kind of felt like my my time might be uh, coming to a close with that with that company. I had actually traveled a lot, um, helping with uh, technology with some tele- telecommunications. We traveled through a number of different countries, um, so I, I earned a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles. Used those to get myself a flight to a training class for uh, counter surveillance from a school in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, run hmm. by Ray Jarvis. He was a former, uh, the school is still active there. I think his son is helping run it. He was a former CIA um, CIA operative. I went to the class in Oklahoma, and in the class there were state police, private investigators, a number of different people. But by that time, my experience with technology and with, for instance, telephone systems and things, I realized that I had an edge on most of the people in the class. Mm, so mm-hmm. it, it seemed like, well, gee, this is something I'd like to uh, spend a little more time with because I, I knew there was a need uh, and I thought I could, you know, probably help out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, always interesting to me to find out how people get from one place to another. It isn't necessarily, it's a direct path. Um, Correct. But so, yeah. yeah, so that's interesting that you saw that you had a talent in that area uh, and you had an edge up on, on the guys that were just coming in that maybe had just uh, police or government background. Right. So, so um, then you, you started your company uh, about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. And, right. and all, all you do is the uh, surveillance of countermeasures. Is that the full, sole the focus of your company? Surveillance, correct. That's, that's basically all we do. Um, I've, had a you know through the experiences I had uh, before when I started my company it, it's not a business you can just jump into. 
I still had people calling me for help with their phone systems, people who knew that I was familiar with things. So uh, in the beginning, I continued to have some experience uh, helping with either maybe some computer wiring, various things like that. All these things really helped to develop uh, my ability in the uh, electronic countermeasures because we're, when we go into offices now, we're accessing ceilings, we're looking at wiring panels, uh, we're trying to understand a lot of what goes on behind the scenes in technology. So having a background in those things really helps. When I, I can imagine. Started, yeah, when I first got started, one of your you recently had a, a guest, both uh, Jimmy Messis and Kevin Murray were on your show um, mm-hmm. maybe a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Both good friends of mine. Uh, Kevin uh, was almost a mentor for me when I first got started. He was very kind, uh, you know, helped me uh, uh, have some understanding of the business getting started. And that, was you know that. And this business mm-hmm. is like that. This security and private investigation business is often like that, where people help each other. It's great to hear. You need to, you need to do that, and that is partly what makes some professionals shine more than others. Is their willingness to get together with others, um, you know, help each other out uh, along the way. Mm. Another another great uh, mentor was uh, Glenn Whidden. Uh, he formed an organization that was originally it was called BECA, Business Espionage Controls and Countermeasures. That transformed into uh, a group called uh, Espionage Research Institute. Uh, Glenn was a CIA uh, operative also, and he had so many amazing stories that he shared about his work he, behind the scenes in Czechoslovakia or in Moscow, things like that, mm-hmm. which were always fascinating. He passed away a few years ago. The the organization is still continuing um, under uh, different leadership. It's uh, erii.org if anyone wants to uh, check that out. Espionage Research Institute International. Um, well, it's always uh, fun to have a company that has the word espionage in it. It sounds dark and mysterious. <laughs> it does. Sometimes that can end up being, you know, maybe not the direction we want to go in. Yeah, we don't always exactly. want to appear that way to people. Sometimes people get a little uh, apprehensive. Yeah. yeah. So, so Charles, let's talk about uh, TSS, TSCM. Tell, me, tell us what that is. What, is, what does it mean and well, t- how does it work? T- TSCM, the, the initials stand for Technical Surveillance Countermeasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one of the keys to that is technical surveillance. There is surveillance countermeasures. Anyone who works in executive protection or in perhaps some uh, other forms of security may understand. You want to know if somebody's watching you. You want to, you know, as they say, watch your six. You want to know what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to know what's going on technically. Uh, what types of surveillance could be carried out in a technical means, not just somebody following you, which could all still be an issue, uh, and then we want to counter that uh, either by discovering the, any possible devices or, you know, taking other steps to protect against it. So that's where the term comes from. I think it was originally a military uh, term, and it's sort of become the industry standard, but a lot of people just call it bug sweeps. Okay. All right. And is it just bug sweeps? Well, that's where 
professional TSCM, anyone in this field would probably say, no, it's not. Um, when people think of bug sweeps, they often think of the movies or TV, again, where someone's walking around with a little box uh, looking for radio signals. Um, mm-hmm. That can be, uh, you know, that's part of an inspection, that's part of a sweep, but especially nowadays, there's radio signals coming from so many things. If you just have a inexpensive, you know, radio detector, it's probably going to go detect all kinds of things and go crazy. You're not going to know what it is it's picking up. So there's a lot of areas that need to be looked at, uh, including, you know, physical, uh, you know, the physical inspection is an important part. We may find things that conduct sound uh, that, or, or maybe an air passage or an air vent where sound is passing through to another room. Um, that may have been overlooked. I was working in an office uh, at, at night. Nobody was in the office except for me, and I heard voices. And I hmm. thought it, it sounded as if there was a, somebody in, in a room next door around the, you know, with the open door. As I started to look around, I found there was nobody there. And I listened again, and the voices started again, and I realized it was cleaning people who were in an office Totally different company down the hall, but the air, the voices were traveling through the air vent that opened right over the desk of the uh, the main person in the company. So that's a big vulnerability that they were probably not aware of, but could have mm. led to a loss of information. Interesting. So no, nothing that anybody did. It just happened to be the configuration of the building. Right, and that's part of the that's part of the importance of being able to have these types of inspections and sweeps done, is to recognize that there are a lot of vulnerabilities that you may not be you know may not be aware of. Um, it can be things like like that. We also were uh, similarly doing a sweep in a in a confidential conference room. Uh, in one corner of the room, while we were checking a few things out, again I heard voices. Turns out there was a coffee break room next door, and if you got right next to the window, you could clearly hear what was going on in the other room. The facility was supposed to have insulation in the wall there blocking the, the air passage. It was through the air vents by the window. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we put that in our report. We reported it to the security director. The next time we came back to that room, you know, a few months later, I checked again, and yes, they had filled it up, and they had not only had they filled the hole in the the uh, gap in the air vent, they had also moved the coffee break room to a different uh, location. So yeah. it's, it's nice to see when someone does take your advice and follow right. through with exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so do you get involved in cybersecurity as well? It's a, it's very interesting. Cybersecurity is a big big deal these days, and of course, it uh, r- rightly so. Uh, it's a big, big challenge for companies. We find that there's a, a gap, there's an area that's not quite covered by cybersecurity and physical security. You know, physical security, your door locks, your closed circuit video, your alarm systems. You know, physical security is also important for cybersecurity. You need to have locks on your IT room, uh, mm-hmm. the wiring panels and things like that. But there's areas that when, when the, the guys doing the physical security are focused on their stuff, they, they're not really paying attention to things on the computer network. The guys uh-huh. working on the network and the firewalls, they're 
they have certain things they're trying to defend against. Um, they may not, they may miss, you know, something else. Um, a good example, we were uh, sweeping at a, a major corporation when uh, one, of the, one of the steps that we do is we look for uh, Wi-Fi uh, signals. We inspect uh-huh. Wi-Fi signals to try to identify what, what device it is, where it's coming from. You know, every company is going to have access points in multiple locations. Now they have uh, things such as uh, uh, remotes for uh, uh, a video projector to, right. that may transmit on Wi-Fi. They may have a variety of things. So we were looking at the Wi-Fi signals in this company. One of them had a silly name to it. It didn't make sense. All the corporate access points all say, you know, the corporate name and, and the certain number. Mm-hmm. And here's one that's coming up. And, you know, the funny part was it actually was labeled dark web. Really? And we thought, well, this is odd. Now, you know, it's a technology company. Maybe they have a, you know, department that's doing experiments or something like that. But I thought, this doesn't look right. We tracked it down the location, and uh, it wasn't in the area we were concerned about. But we passed it off to the security people, and they did find out it was an employee who wanted to have better Wi-Fi, uh, perhaps in his office. At least that's the story we got. Yeah, um, and right. he had brought in his he brought in his own access point, plugged it on the network, and that's what we found. So he had not, you know, uh, compromised uh, the external network. So the cybersecurity people, if the IT security, you know, unless they're specifically uh, looking regularly, they may have missed that. So For sure. that's where it's valuable, you know, to have TSCM suites. We don't work alone. We really consider that, you know, we, we have to be connected with the IT. We have to be connected with the physical security people. Uh, we work closely with the, any executive protection teams. And, uh, you know, even the facilities management, for instance, and the example of the uh, air vents not, mm-hmm. you know, not being uh, blocked. So, again, like you were saying, we have to, we have to be nice people. We have to work with right. everybody. You know? Yeah, for we sure. Can't, we can't come in and say, hey, you guys, you did a terrible job. You know, fix this for us. That even, though you th- uh, even though you think that. <laughs> yeah, and usually it's not that way because everybody's got a, a lot on their plate, you know, these sure. days. Everybody's got a lot to be concerned about. And, you know, if we want to be respected by others, and so, you know, we, hope, we want to respect them as well. I'll bet that company that uh, where the guy had his own Wi-Fi changed their company policy real quickly. Well, after company that. policy company policy is a very important part of security, and a lot of places miss that. Um, the policy, you know, the company has to establish good policies, good security policies, uh, particularly regarding information, and then they have to make sure the employees are aware of the policies. If right. you don't, um, you run a big risk. Uh, news just came out yesterday from upstate New York. Um, one town up there, the town supervisor, pled guilty to eavesdropping. Uh, uh. They had installed a camera system, and one of the cameras had a microphone, and he had ordered his secretary to make recordings of people who were standing near that camera. 
Hmm. Uh, he wanted specifically he wanted to spy on some employees apparently. Uh, at first, the secretary was the one who was arrested. Uh-huh. She was just following orders, and finally they got the town supervisor. They should know better, you know. Right. It's right. It, after the fact, it's a little hard to plead ignorance, you know. The eavesdropping is a crime almost everywhere, and right. you know, uh, uh, companies should know about it. We, fi- for instance, we find also the majority of either if we find a device or if we find something that had really where eavesdropping was really going on, quite often it's an employee or even an executive uh, who was, you know, doing the eavesdropping. Uh, that's where education in a company is important. Uh, they should know, people should know this. One, they should know that they shouldn't be, you know, spying on somebody else, but they also need to understand the value of their information. The stuff that goes through their hands can be quite detrimental if it's, you know, if it's leaked or uh, given over to the wrong hands, it could be detrimental to the company, to the stock market value of a company. Many, many things um, uh, could happen. There was a leak of um, a press release from Panera Bread, uh, I think back in 2015. Um, that leak netted the, uh, the thief a million dollars. How did that happen? Uh, that was from, I believe it was actually stealing a document um, that huh. led to that. Um, but that, that points to another uh, thing. Along with having good policies, a clean desk policy is also quite valuable. Uh, this would be one of the t- uh, good pieces of advice for any company. So basic. Your, so basic. Yeah, very basic stuff. Keep stuff clean. Yeah. Keep stuff neat because... Uh, if if your if your desk is neat, and I'm probably as guilty as anybody, uh, I'm looking at my desk right now. It's not. Yeah, that neat. I'm just looking at mine too. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to know if something's been disturbed, if right. something might be, you know, if something has been moved or taken or missing, uh, it it could lead to, uh, you know, discovery of of a bigger problem. Or, or the obvious, somebody walking by and seeing something on your desk and, and it's just there and they take it or, or read it. Right, right. Yeah. Huh. You know, part of what we consider is that the, the problem with uh, corporate espionage, if we want to you know, focus on that, it's really a people problem. Uh, somebody is behind the desire to get this information. There are things that security is concerned with in general, even cybersecurity where there's no specific person, you know, for instance, hacking attacks. There's many hacking attacks going on where they may not specifically be targeting you, mm-hmm. um, but it's still a threat and you still have to protect against it. In terms of, of eavesdropping like this and, and, and uh, this type of technical surveillance, most of the time you'll find that there is somebody behind it who's deliberate uh, deliberately trying to either get information to perhaps cause uh, trouble for the company, uh, harassment. You know, it could range from uh, news media, the reporters mm-hmm. trying to get some kind of dirt on somebody. You know, it could be a, a perhaps a, a, an investigator who doesn't have the you know 
the morals that he should. Maybe trying to mm-hmm. do something a little, a little uh, improper. Mm-hmm. Other things could be, you know, uh, there could be threats. For instance, uh, you may have a guest at your company from another country. That person may be a target. Yet he's coming to visit your company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they may be so bringing who- a threat along with him. Yeah. So, who are your typical clients, Charles? Look, Clients can be, uh, they can range uh, quite a bit from large companies. Uh, We had a major company where they had uh, guests from another country at one of their offices. After the guests left, they found some kind of a device left behind. So they sprung into action and wanted us to come and and sweep their boardrooms and uh, offices at other locations. Uh, it could also be a small company uh, got a call from a small business in New Jersey. They just felt something's happening to their business. They don't know what's going on. Um, he kind of suspected, uh, you know, some competitor was out to get him. Uh, and it was a, it was a small company that uh, that needed our services. Quite often, though, we're we're hired by uh, attorneys and private investigators. Okay. Uh, they may have clients with, you know, more uh, specific needs. There are, you know, divorce cases uh, may may merit a sweep. Um, most of our cases are more in the corporate arena, uh, right. not so much individuals. But we were working for uh, a good friend of mine who's an attorney on, uh, excuse me, an investigator in Long Island. Um, there was a, one of his clients was going through a divorce, and the, there was order of protection against the husband. They just had reason to suspect that there was a problem going on. The, the husband had actually sent some texts to the wife saying, I, I know what's going on, I know what you're doing, something like that that just sounded a little shady. Mm-hmm. We went to the home, but... Uh, what I think is unfortunate, and this is probably good warning for anybody who's planning to have a sweep done, the uh, the client spoke with her attorney about the sweeps while she was in her bedroom uh, on her cell on her cell phone. Oh, too um, bad. She said, "Okay, that the, somebody's going to come and do the sweeps in a couple days." The next day, the husband showed up unannounced when the wife was not home told the housekeeper, I just need to get my charger out of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Went to the bedroom, pulled out a little charger, and left the house. Well, if you've been on any kind of uh, spy shop or uh, you know, even investigator supply, you know that there are a lot of uh, transmitting devices that are made to look like chargers. Mm-hmm. So we concluded that um, the husband had come and, and removed whatever it was that he had in the in the bedroom there. We still continued and, with the sw- with the sweep, uh, yeah. which was a good thing because we could find a few other th- things that were rather significant. For instance, the uh, particularly in a case like this, um, if the husband and wife shared uh, access to uh, security cameras or to the alarm system, mm-hmm. uh, it's very important to make sure that these things are are. Secured to make sure that if someone has been is not supposed to have access anymore, you want to make sure that they're kept out. Interesting. So, um, how often 
percentage-wise, would you say that you actually find something versus when you don't? It's really not that often. Um, not that even, you find something or that you don't find something? Uh, the, the, it's very, very rare that we actually find a device. Okay. Uh, most of the time, we find vulnerabilities. Of course, a lot of our, a lot of our sweeps are done regularly um, where, the, where the client's not necessarily expecting that there's a device there. Uh, a typical corporate uh, sweep may be done quarterly or semi-annually. Uh, where we come and we've, we check the offices, and we're looking for vulnerabilities uh, and the possibility of uh, threats being there. Sometimes we uncover things that were not necessarily used for eavesdropping, but they could have been. Uh, we were doing a, a, a health facility, and uh, when we look into the ceiling uh, over the offices, we realized that there was an old paging system uh, hanging in the ceiling, above the drop ceiling, uh, all wired together throughout the entire office. Now, if you know, if you know anything about speakers, speakers basically can act as microphones. Uh-huh. This, was an, this was an old system. They just had plain old speakers hanging throughout the ceiling, all wired back to a wiring closet or a, kind of a central location, where at one point there was probably a little you know, building yeah. paging system attached to it. In that case, all one needs to do is to go into that closet with a little audio amplifier or uh, with some headphones. And, and utilize it, yeah. Clip onto those wires, and now they have uh, voice, they can hear voices clearly throughout the entire office. Interesting. Charles, we need to take a quick break. Uh, sure. Could you just hang on a second? And folks, hang in with us. Charles will be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're back. We got a little uh, technical difficulties corrected, I think. And Charles Patterson is here with me, an expert in technical surveillance countermeasures. Um, Charles, what power sweeps perform? Give us kind of the details of what you go through when you're hired to go into a place and and, uh, review their security. Sure. One of the first things I want to do is to get some kind of understanding of what the client thinks the problem may be. Um, I think of the analogy of if you you hire an exterminator, uh, different kind of bugs, an exterminator to come to your house, (laughs) they're going to want to know, what makes you think you have a problem? What kind of a, do you see, you know, little wood chips uh, by the corner of your house or is there dropping someplace? Any clue you can give the exterminator helps them to know, you know, how, what to prepare for, for one thing, and, and you know, what might be the, the problem. Same thing here. I want to find out as much background as I can, you know, without divulging too much, you know, from the client, you know, we try to be as discreet as possible. Uh, If it's, uh, you know, if there's a major lawsuit going on, uh, that's one type of problem. If it's, if they're working on international uh, government contracts, that's a different type of problem. Uh Everything comes into play. Uh Understanding that we'll, we'll come on site and we have a number of pieces of equipment. That's one of the challenges we sometimes find that people don't quite know what to expect when they hire a sweep. Um, you know, one of the questions or comments when someone calls up says, I've never had to do this before, but, you know, so I don't know what to expect. So we, we come, we have about, you know, four cases of equipment that we bring on site usually. Uh, it includes, uh, you know, radio equipment, um, some physical uh, tools, uh, and a number of electronic devices. Mm. One of the first... One of the first things we want to do is get an idea of the radio signals that might be present. So we use a, a radio spectrum analyzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few other receivers as well. We have a receiver that's just dedicated to video. Uh, it scans uh, signals and, and will demodulate or show us you know, any video signal that it picks up. But We'll take readings with a spectrum analyzer. Sometimes we'll take mm-hmm. readings in multiple locations. Uh, technology today is great. The spectrum analyzers are very sophisticated. Uh, we can take readings in a few different rooms or, or corners of a room, and we can compare the signals together. And if there's a suspicious signal, we can start to narrow down, you know, where it actually may be coming from, hmm. uh, you know, what location, what direction. Uh, there's also the need to look at the uh, wiring, uh, electric wiring. Uh, a threat that's been around for, for a long time is using the wiring in the house or in an office as an antenna for a signal. Uh, usually it's a low-frequency signal called carrier current. We want to look for that. Uh, I mentioned Wi-Fi. You know, we're checking the Wi-Fi signals, and it's not always the obvious ones. There's sometimes some unique signals are present. Of course, the bigger... Go ahead. Go ahead. When you talk about carrier current, what, what do you mean by that? So somebody uh, clamps on to the... Say, it, say it's a home. 
clamps onto the wiring, um, the physical wiring in the house, and then they are they're someplace remotely. Or how does that work? The wiring in the house, uh, basically any kind of wiring can kind of serve as an antenna. The lower the frequency, the longer an antenna would need to be. And they found ways to be able to couple the a low frequency radio signal onto wiring, then anywhere else that wiring goes, if you can connect to it with the proper kind of receiver or even near it sometimes, you'll be able to pick up that signal. Hmm. There's, some, there's some challenges if you're in a home and there's a, you have a transformer that uh, splits the signals into multiple you know, areas of the home. The signals don't always get through that. Uh, you know, part of the job that we have to do is we have to be aware of all the possible threats. And even though it may or may not be an active threat, you know, in this location, we still want to be aware of it. Uh, carrier current is something even used on, on phone lines. Uh, you may have seen some phones. They used to, they're not as popular now, but perhaps sold by uh, Staples or Radio Shack where they, they would have an intercom feature. Mm-hmm. You could plug two, two phones on the same line, or even an inter- intercom itself that I remember Radio Shack used to sell. You plug it onto the phone line. It wouldn't bother your telephone calls, but it used the phone wiring to send its signal uh, to the other unit. Uh, and that was basically using a carrier current. You know, I using see. Using the current on the wire to, to get your signal along. Okay. All right. So yes. where is the most unusual place you found a bug? It's funny. Some of the more unusual situations are not necessarily unusual places. Uh, we were called to a stock brokerage firm where they knew that an employee had been up to something because he had discussed his activities with another, another employee who reported mm. it. Um, he was actually an executive in the company. Uh, what he was doing was listening into a conference room where audits were being done by the SEC or the NASDAQ uh, people when they would come to the office, which certainly was a no-no. Um, when we were looking, our team was there, and we found odd things in multiple places. In one office, we found a wire protruding from under a wall that was stuck into a file drawer. It just seemed like an odd place for a wire. Okay, wait a minute. I have to visualize this. There was a wire coming out from under the wall, and then it went over to the the file cabinet? The wall had a, a, a little opening in the bottom. There was a wire coming through that just rolled across the floor and was stuck. It was a, a drawer, a desk drawer, really, but it was like desk for drawer. files. And so we just saw this wire that was squ- squished into the desk drawer. Huh. Certainly, that that was odd. That would be a certainly. that would be a clue. That was, yes, <laughs> that's what you call a clue. Another technician was inspecting the ceiling in the hallway, and he saw a, a wiring splice that looked very poorly done, something very amateurish. Mm-hmm. You know, having been in ceilings, having worked with wiring, we, we know what a splice should look like. This looked like it was something thrown together with, you know, scotch tape sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And then in the conference room itself, another technician was there and saw something unique sitting on top of a ceiling tile. We put all three together, and the, the item on top of the ceiling tile was a microphone that was glued in place. It almost looked like it might have been a heat detector or a smoke detector. Mm-hmm. Um, the splice in the ceiling had the type of wire from the conference room on one side of the splice and the type of wire that going, went into the desk drawer on the other side of the splice. So we opened the desk drawer. Um, the wire was loose. There was nothing there on it, but we were able to, using, to use our own test equipment to connect to it and clearly heard the audio coming out of the conference room. Hmm. So the uh, uh, the uh, employee in the company, he had uh, installed this microphone in the conference room, ran the wire, which I guess was not long enough to reach his desk, so he spliced it and <laughs> ran it into his desk where he kept a recorder. Um, he had already been fired and I guess had taken the recorder with him. I see. Part of the story that becomes a little interesting is uh, we brought we took the microphone down. We took photos of it. Uh, we give the information to the investigators who, who brought us in. We were working with an investigation firm uh, for this job. They uh, talked to the uh, attorney for the company who also talked to the bookkeeper. They On the microphone was a little sticker from a spy shop that had the name of the spy shop on it. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, bookkeeper was able to find that it was bought with the company credit card uh, from that spy shop. Wow. So the, uh, yeah, so the employee had actually <laughs> used, in the co- used the company credit card to create this whole, to this spy whole problem. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. so speaking of spy shop type things, so, I mean, an average guy that knows a lot about um, electronic kinds of devices, why can't he go into a spy shop and buy something that will work to detect, detect bugs? There, there are some tools that you can get uh, fairly easily that may help. And we use some of these tools ourselves, but there's no, there's no one tool that does it all. Um, as we've spoken about, there's a lot of things these days that use you know, wireless signals. So if you just buy a, uh, a radio signal detector that just picks up all kinds of radio signals, you're going to get signals from your Bluetooth headset, from your cell phone, from uh, even you know, audio controls for your stereo system, all kinds of things. So you're not going to know what type of signal you're picking up. And that only covers part of it as well. Some of the other equipment that we use include equipment that's specifically tuned to cellular frequencies. Another receiver is specifically tuned to uh, the decked uh, cordless headset type frequencies. Okay. Uh, uh, Thermal imaging is another tool that we use a lot. If we look at, uh, say, uh, uh, an air vent in the wall, if there's something that's glowing behind it, there's some object there that needs to be investigated. Even the telephone equipment, we have tools to check phone lines, but it's not enough just to do a little voltage check or some simple test. There's a a number of things you need to be able to understand. I like to look at, think of it as like multiple grids 
or webs that you lay the grids together, you're creating a screen that's harder and harder for something to fall through. So it's not just the radio signals, it's not just the telephone, it's not just mm-hmm. the the thermal, but all those things together will will you know help make sure you're doing the best, uh, providing the best security for your client. The equipment that we use is not cheap either. Um, right. We typically have you know a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment that we may bring. Uh, to to a uh, to the defense of a of a good client, it's not something that you just you know buy online for a few thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. and that's another challenge. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, I I read in something you wrote, Charles, that there are three different levels of sweeps. Could you go over those? Um. Well, yeah. Sometimes. People don't have a very serious uh, threat or concern at the moment. Um, if we go to an office and they say, look, you don't, we only have three hours. We want to cover a certain room uh-huh. you know, uh, or a certain number of rooms. We have to look at this and say, well, gee, if it's only three hours, we don't have time to do a full, you know, a very deep inspection. So we'll have to perhaps do a cursory, a cursory check. Uh, of, of certain areas and then focus on the, the more serious threat. If the concern is a conference room, but they also say, well, while you're here, can you check these other five offices? Well, we can't just, we can't do the same level for all the offices. We'll focus on the one. Um, the radio signals, things like that, we'll be able to pick up. That's a, that's a little bit of an easier part. You're not you're not spending a lot of time. Uh, when we're doing a, an office thoroughly, we're going to be looking into the electric outlets, the, the any kind of the data wiring, the phone wiring. There's, we have a checklist that we go through to make sure we've covered everything because there's so mm. many different areas that we need to look at. So that's kind of the difference in the uh, in the types of sweeps. Yeah. And and you've uh, you're probably often called in when there's some kind of a an, in, an incident, either information, confidential information oh, yeah, gets right, leaked right, right. out. Yeah. So uh, we mentioned there's the the type of uh, sweep that is just a you know proactive you know type of sweep where you're coming in. We're coming in regularly. We're checking on things, making sure that uh, nothing's changed from the last time we were there. Uh, then there's uh, stuff that's happened after an incident has occurred where you want to come in and, and find out what m- may have gone on. Uh, another major corporation called us in. They have high security there. They have some of the top you know, physical security available on their, at their company, yet somebody snuck in through the, the trash compactor area when the trash company came to collect the, the garbage that somebody snuck in, wandered through the building, entered a number of offices, apparently stole credit cards. Uh, hmm. He was actually confronted by security. Uh, security had, they, you know, they didn't have any real reason to hold him uh, because he just said, oh, I left my ID in my car. Uh, let me go out and get it. As soon as he 
exited the building, he took off running. Um, so another clue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah credit cards were, were stolen, but they needed to find out what else happened. Right. He they had to review the security videotapes and see where did this guy go, whose offices did he go in. Since he went into some of the major executive offices, we had to come in to do sweeps of those offices. He may have been stealing credit cards just as a cover. You know, to be actually to actually come in and do something uh, more sinister. Huh. That's interesting uh, because some companies would be just focused on uh, the actual in- incident and not look past that. And that's part of the challenge is to be able to think holistically about security. Uh-huh. A lot of a lot of times the information part is is not that is not considered as serious. You know, you sometimes you'll hear people say, "Well, I have nothing to hide." Well, that's not true. You have a lot of things you you don't want to. It's not just that you're hiding something. If you have a if your company is planning a merger or they have some new product they want to roll out next week, if your competitor had that information, they might beat you to the punch just to right. even know the date that you're rolling out a new product. Uh, and if you're if you're in some kind of litigation, uh, your you know your adversary certainly would love to know what your plans were. Oh, absolutely, they, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, what kinds of uh, tips or what kinds of advice would you give people that are listening to this show about how they can protect themselves and secure their information? There's a number of number of things that people can do. You know. I know a lot of investigators will have, you know, devices they've picked up from perhaps a spy shop or uh, someplace online that they might want to use to do to do a sweep. That's fine, uh, but you have to understand your client and understand the threat that they face. Um, one of the one word of advice we always give people is to keep our phone number handy, <laughs> because if you come across something significant or maybe more serious. You're going to want to talk to somebody about it. You know, we're not necessarily interested in coming in and doing every little job that you may have, but if you have something serious, we certainly would like to help. Uh, uh-huh. I mentioned I mentioned the idea of company policies. If you're uh, a company, you want to have a, a good keep have everybody keep their desk clean. That's part also of if you're coming into a situation, you want to look around and observe: is it a clean place? Um, if you have an office, if you have a, any kind of facility, uh, you want to know that, that things have not been disturbed. Uh, you know, there are some other things that you can do. For instance, if there's a conference, if you're going to have an important conference or an important meeting, a lot of conference rooms, there'll be a telephone sitting on, a, on the side, perhaps on a side table. Uh-huh. If that telephone's not being used, then it's easy to unplug it. Just unplug it, disconnect it. You know, telephones are a classic device. They have built-in microphones, and they're wired most of the time. So uh, there's definitely potential there for a problem. Also, knowing what type of security and access control is present. Uh, if you're going to be having meetings, is there CCTV present? Ha- has anybody reviewed it? Did anybody enter the room, you know, who shouldn't have been there, you know, that type of thing. And then also basic physical uh, uh, physical inspection, which 
nine times out of ten, if we do find a problem, we'll find evidence during the physical inspection, which means have a good flashlight and get on your hands and knees, look under the tables, look under the chairs, uh, uh, look at the ceiling tiles. Do they Uh look like they've been disturbed? Uh, Has there been any uh, dust from ceiling tiles found on the floor or on the table that might mean somebody was was moving the tiles around? Um, These are a lot of different things that someone could look at. There is a little tool uh, available online and from spy shops. It's called the Spy Finder. It's basically uh, you look through a little hole and it flashes uh, LEDs so that you're looking directly from the LEDs. It helps to spot camera lenses. Now, we use one of these, actually. It's a a nice tool. You can actually do the same by holding a flashlight near your eye. The principle is that if there's a camera hiding in a ceiling tile or somehow behind a small hole, if a light is shining directly into it, then a reflection will bounce back 180 degrees right back into you, to your eyes. And it's a way to know if you see a hole and you think, gee, could something be in there if you shine a little flashlight in and you see a reflection coming back, doesn't necessarily mean it's a camera, but it might mean it's something you want to investigate yeah. investigate further. So, what, Charles, what about, a, a TV, say, a TV in a conference room, but it's turned off? One of the things that we found is conference rooms a lot of times have their AV systems on all the time. We were sweeping a uh, company's conference room that had a large AV system. They had a defective component in one of their systems that was broadcasting all the audio from the conference room uh, all the way out to the parking lot. The signal was so strong. Wow. It was a defective piece of equipment, but they never knew it. And, you know, how long had it been uh, doing this? Someone may have stumbled across it. TVs, if things are turned off, for the most part, they're going to be fine. Here, again, you want to be able to understand the the background of the client and the background of their concerns. Could someone have had access to it, perhaps to modify it Uh or to add something to it? Uh, AV AV closets and AV racks in conference rooms are uh, a jumble of wires that are very hard to to understand at a first glance. So uh, to really look at those things, you may even need to have the AV installer come and help uh, to make sense of it all. The same with phone systems sometimes is that we have to, uh, sometimes we need to work with somebody else. uh, Right. Because you can't possibly know everything, you know. So uh, that's another important part. So that's why it's so important to know what the client's actual concern is because uh, you don't want to sweep the whole building if their concern is about leaks out of the conference room, for example. Right. Yeah, a lot of times people say, they'll call us up and they'll say, well, we want our building swept. It's 28,000 square feet. I say, well, well, let's talk a a little bit. And it turns out there's four or five offices and that becomes a more manageable uh, concern. One of the things that we haven't really talked about too much is a phone system voicemail. That's okay. another form of, of hacking uh, where we had to work with the, uh, the voicemail, well, the telephone 
a technician for one company because they came into everybody came to work one Monday and found a voicemail from their boss that was just a recording of an irate customer cursing the boss for five minutes. Oh wow! Um, so it was just an embarrassment for the company. But right. we got together with investigators. We got together with the telecom uh, people to try to understand, you know, what had happened. It turned out that it was a an employee who had just been fired who knew about the phone system and how it worked. Interesting. He had called in from outside, hacked into the system, and found a message left in the boss's Oh, my goodness. From three oh months goodness. before. And it was a you message know, from an irate caller. But he, yeah, he knew know. how to... Go ahead. I just just going to say, you know, I have to cut you off, Charles. This is really okay. interesting, but I've been notified by our my engineer here that we're out of time. We're totally I'm out of time. Enough. And sure. so, folks, um, Charles, give your website real quickly in case people want to contact you. Sure, execsecurity.com. Uh, and I have a blog at execsecurity.com slash news. Uh, okay. We're on Twitter at, at exectscm. Okay, great. Thank you so much. This is Charles Patterson. Charles, thanks for being on the show. Very interesting. And for all of you out there in uh, Cyberland, tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening, and thanks, Charles. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.